This is your host, Amy Orsno, and welcome to the Transmit Safety Podcast, a podcast that will help you achieve a holistic approach to workplace health and safety with practical solutions introducing new or alternative ways of approach to put that value of safety into action. So fill up that workplace-approved beverage of your choice and tune in to today's episode. I have been really struggling recording this podcast episode because I want to talk about the 10 things that I hate about being a health and safety professional with you. But every time I turn the mic on, every time I hit record for the last five days of me trying to get this done, I circle back to something that's been very much hot topic in the news. And I, I don't even want to, I don't even want to talk about the topic that has been in the news. I think it is been given way too much airspace, but my morals and my ethics have been struggling to reconcile what I'm seeing on the news, the priority that it was given, the funding that it was given, the amount of people who seem to be interested in this story for I don't understand any particular reason. But then also on the other side of the things, and I think maybe it's because the algorithm, I've clicked on one or two articles, articles and so it's feeding this into me but how how shocked some people are by how other people are responding to the same situation and in the podcast we've talked about perceptions already so I don't want this to be a podcast episode about perceptions but I think it's important for us to talk about how we as individuals have our own morals and our own ethical principles and our own kind of biases towards one or the other. And I'll be very straightforward with you. I generally lean towards the utilitarian ethical principle, but it's not the only ethical principle that I consider. There's others that are out there, but that's my default. What does the least amount of harm to the greatest amount of people? And I think that that's maybe why I connect with OHS legislation. Like I understand OHS legislation in the fact that it's it's a regulatory law. Hashtag I'm not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. But I understand how regulatory law is written to protect the greatest amount of people and for the society that it is constructed in. And as a health and safety professional, I I, I'm sometimes I watch the news and there have been, I think, quite a few news reports lately where there have been fatalities, some work related, some not work related, but how they are discussed, not only in the media, but how they're discussed in Reddit forums, how they're discussed on my Facebook feed by families and close friends how we as individuals decide to include our narrative or demonstrate how we are feeling and thinking about a particular topic, I find it fascinating 
to watch and observe. But I can also find it frustrating to watch and observe at the same time. Because the way that I view things is not always the same way that other people view things. And that is 100% okay. That's what makes us human. That's what makes our society diverse. And that's what makes our society grow. And, And I think that that's fantastic, especially when I am challenged on how I'm thinking or feeling about a particular topic. Because the more that you can challenge yourself, the more opportunity for growth, professional and personal growth that you have. So whenever I'm frustrated about something, I take a moment and I ask myself, what can I do with this frustration? Like, why am I frustrated about this news article? Why am I frustrated about this particular response on a Reddit forum? And and I'm starting to do some more self-reflection on that process. And so in today's episode, I wanted to share some of the frustrations that I have as a health and safety professional. And you might be listening to this going, Amy, I have no idea why you're frustrated about these things. I've never been frustrated about these things. How did you get to this point? You might also listen to my list of a few things. I'm not going to share them all because we ain't nobody got time for that. But I'm also, you could also be listening to this and going, oh, finally, me too. Somebody else said that out loud. I'm so glad that I'm not the only person feeling or thinking that. So here are some of the things that frustrate me as a health and safety professional. Number one, seeing that health and safety is written on the policy as a value seeing sometimes even a posted on the walls health and safety is our value or even worse our priority but seeing that the value of safety is not being put into action and that was just sir reginald if you heard that was sir reginald rolling over but when we think about that that frustrates me because as a safety person and as somebody who really believes that our values are the foundation of how we make decisions. I struggle when people say that they have safety as a value, but you do not see them put it into action. I get very frustrated about that because I don't get it. But at the same time, I also can understand that my priorities, what's driving my decisions is different. My education, my background, the fact that I've decided for a career to become a health and safety professional, that is not the same as others that I'm interacting with. So when I get frustrated about people making decisions that's not safety forward, I know that that frustration is a trigger for me to stop, pull out my empathy tool and say, I wonder what they're feeling. I wonder what they're thinking. How can I help better understand their decision? And also, how can I help them meet their goal using health and safety as a mechanism to get them what they're trying to achieve? So whenever I get frustrated about safety not being put into action, like that value of safety not being put into action, to me, it's a red flag that I'm not fully understanding the person or the people that I'm being frustrated by. 
So that's a kind of a tip number one or, or no, frustration number one is I think that I'm frustrated about safety not being put in action, but it's really a trigger for me to go, okay, I need to understand whom I'm interacting with a little bit more so that I don't have to be frustrated. I have a better understanding of where they're coming from. The next thing that I get frustrated about, the next thing that I get, it just really grinds my gears. And I see this in the courses that I'm instructing. And sometimes I even ask, this question and I'm seeing the answer become more and more popular. And I just, I have a hard time understanding this. And I get frustrated by this because we as health and safety practitioners and professionals, wherever you land on your your professional journey spectrum, I believe that we are in in general, as a generalist, we are expected to be experts in way too many things. We have to have knowledge in a variety of domains from ergonomics to chemical safety to fire prevention to risk assessment. The spectrum of expertise that we are being expected to carry, I think largely by the employers, but agreed to by the people in those positions is something that is not helping our profession. Because when I'm in class or when I'm interacting with new health and safety people that, you know, they're trying to get into their career, one of the questions that I ask in one of the classes is something along the lines of, here's a case study. Now, what would you do? I see the responses come in. It's, oh, I would do this. I would do this. I would do this. I would do this. And they're all really good actions. They're all really great ideas. But then my follow-up question to that is, now, how many of you actually have the competency, qualifications, training, and experience to do what you say that you are going to do? Because in this case study, you know what I would do? I would call in a consultant. The first thing that I would do in this case study, I would raise my hand up and say, I'm not competent to do that for you. I know about insert topic here, but I'm not competent to do what you're asking me to do. And I find that I get very frustrated, especially when I'm speaking to medium to small employers where they're expecting their entry level safety person. Most of the time they've tapped them on the shoulder and said, hey, you're the safety person. Or I'm talking to somebody who's new into their professional development journey, and it's just you don't know what you don't know. And that can be very dangerous. And I find that I get frustrated by that, which I think, for one, part of how Transmit Safety, the podcast was created, I wanted to create some resources for people to have conversations about also why I think that I'm one of my company values, one of my personal values is empowerment through education. So we need education to feel empowered to do our roles. But how do you get that? How do you harness that? You need to be supported. You need to be able to have the time, the energy, and the resources to go to professional development. And so we're expected to know everything or we're expected to know such a wide variety of information 
And when I ask people, hey, are you going to that conference? Or hey, I see that you're talking about this scope of work. Are you going to get training on that? It's, oh, the company doesn't have money to do that. But yet you're expected to do the task. And so we talk about training of the workers all the time. But how much are we internalizing it and saying, well, what type of training do I need to develop further for my professional development? And yes, it is in a lot of our professional code of ethics, depending on what alphabet soup you have behind your name at this point, striving for professional development and growth. Absolutely. I think a lot of us are there. But if you only go to the same conferences or you only go to the recertification courses, you don't challenge yourself with new thoughts, new ideas. Are you really growing professionally? I don't know. And so I get frustrated by that. I get frustrated by seeing job postings where we are, from a generalist perspective, are expected to do it all, but not have the ability to tap into a consultant when we know we need to, or the resistance that we get from the management team, from the company, when we say, you know what, this is outside of my expertise. This is outside of my competency. We need to bring a consultant in. You know that you're working in a good company when they say, yes, absolutely. Let's hire a consultant to come in expertise to do this or expertise to do that. So that's another thing that frustrates me. The fact that I'm still today in 2023 hearing the challenges of health and safety practitioners and professionals about expecting to know it all, do it all, but not have the resourcing to support that within their professional development. And as a kind of a caveat or as an end note, there is a difference, I think, between the employer providing funding and resourcing for professional development, as well as the fact that you as an individual also need to take some responsibility for your own professional development and growth as well. So it's not solely up to the employer to do. And when we... When I'm on this topic, and I think I'll, I'll, I'll touch on one more thing that just really frustrates me in terms of being a health and safety professional is I get really frustrated when I see other health and safety professionals and practitioners isolated. And I've touched on this a few times in some of my posts on LinkedIn and and talked about it in terms of my experiences, because there were times in my career where, where I was the only health and safety person, or I didn't have that internal support network. And what I find frustrating is how many people don't necessarily understand the importance of developing that professional network to know that you're not working solely independently If you're in a small organization, if you're working in a remote location on a project, isolation can limit collaboration. It can hinder knowledge sharing. It can, you know, challenge the implementation of safety initiatives because you don't have as many people to bounce ideas off of. And so one of the things that really frustrates me is knowing that there are health and safety practitioners and professionals who are out there that feel isolated, that feel alone, and they don't know how to reach out to a network. And that's what I wanted to end on this with here is that I am here for you. 
if you're listening to this podcast episode and you got to the end of this point and you realize, yes, Amy, I am feeling a little bit isolated. I am feeling a little bit alone. Know that you are not alone. I am here for you. There are so many other health and safety practitioners and professionals who are out there in associations and volunteer groups that you can tap into. So please do know that if you start to to feel like you are getting there, don't get frustrated. Don't get frustrated. Just reach out. I will also, within this podcast episode, in the show notes, link to a previous episode about how to build and cultivate your professional network online. I think there are some tips and trips maybe that you would want to connect in and listen to from there. So a little bit of a different style of episode. I'm not really giving you any tips or tricks or recommendations other than continuously cultivate your professional network. Know that you are worth professional development resources and know that if you get frustrated by seeing other people not put the value of safety into action in the same way that you would, know that that's a mechanism for you to say, maybe I need to put myself in their shoes. And there you have it. Thank you for being a part of the Transmit Safety Network. For more resources and to join our weekly newsletter, go to transmitsafety.com.